Praise God. Thank you, Master. <laughs> Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Well, it's good to just give the Holy Ghost a place, you know. Give Him, give him an opportunity. And we'll do that continue throughout the service. Uh, praise God. So, uh, for now, though, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Glory to God. You stirred up about your faith? Amen. You know, your faith is, puts within your ability and your grasp, all of us, all of His children, the ability to live in total victory all the time. Total victory all the time. The Bible says in one place that He always leads us in triumph. I like the word triumph, but I love the word always. Always. He always leads me in winning. Amen? I mean, Jehovah, our Father, God in heaven, He is the ultimate coach. He does not, He's never lost. He doesn't know what it is to lose. He just refuses to lose. Amen. He'll watch other people lose. Amen. But uh, praise God, that's, he, that's foreign to him. Amen. Totally foreign to him. And he always leads us in triumph. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So uh, if you wonder why uh, churches like ours, folks like uh, you know, believers and groups like us focus so much on the subject of faith, it's for that reason. Amen. Because he didn't say, he, could, he didn't identify any other thing that would overcome the world. That this is the victory that overcomes the world. He, what, he didn't say anything else. He said, your faith. Now we know our faith is attached to other things. Faith works by love. So faith won't work without love. And so if you're not walking by love, your faith won't, walking in love, your faith won't work. Therefore you will not be overcome and have victory in the world. So you know, we don't diminish these other things. There are a lot of things connected to our faith. Uh, but praise God, it is taking the measure of faith we were given. Hallelujah. Developing it, practicing it, working it all the time like a muscle. You just take all of life circumstances, problems, the things you don't have that you want, dreams, uh, giants in your way, and they're all faith opportunities. Amen. 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 Glory to God. And, uh, you know, it's been said, and I like it, that uh, young David, when he uh, stormed the battlefield and ran at Goliath, he had five smooth stones with him. But it was not because he thought he might need five to take Goliath down. He knew Goliath had, he was one of five brothers. Right? It only took the one stone he tossed at David to kill that giant. And the Bible says after a short celebration, he pursued Goliath's brothers. I mean, don't just get the one in front of you. Just take out the whole clan. Don't just get rid of the knee pain. Get rid of the shoulder pain, too. Amen? And don't be okay just getting a, a positive balance in your checkbook. Go, go on to abundance. Annihilate every debt. Amen? Keep climbing. Keep taking. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. On eternal life. Lay hold of the blessings and the inheritance that God's made available. Amen? I mean, why not? You better, some of the believers going to pick up your portion if you don't. Amen. And so for the last few weeks, we've been talking about, now the Lord had dealt with me, He said, until I tell you different, or I just had it in my heart this way, I focus either on the subject of healing for the body or, or prosperity, people's provision. But you know, it takes faith to receive those. It takes a skillful understanding of faith and operating by faith to be able to walk in any of the blessings of God. And so it's right and good in this setting to, and under that instruction, to talk about faith. And for the last couple of services, we've been focusing specifically on the prayer of faith, or how to pray and to receive your answer. Or you could say it this way, how do I get from God what I want, or what I need? Amen. You know, the Bible's, God's, God's not withholding from His children any more than I would withhold from my children. I'm not withholding anything from my children. But, you know, my children need to learn how to cooperate in the Cody house, right? 
And we need to learn as citizens of the kingdom how to cooperate with God, how to do our part. And there's, there, in the area of being blessed, having answered a prayer, whether it's protection for your children, your life, yeah, I don't care what you want to talk about, the blessings of God, uh, all of them, if you study them, sorry, got the Holy Ghost on me. <laughs> Either that or I just got out of balance there for a second. But anyway, um, all of them have conditions attached. Do you know you being healed has a condition attached? And it's not that the condition isn't that you be good enough, behave enough, but the condition is believing you receive. And there are other things tied to your healing and your prosperity. You know, eventually, I don't, you know, you can pray and God answers and you're healed and in mercy and all those kind of things. But if you live 25, 30, 40 years of your life outside the perfect will of God for your life, that eventually that's going to catch up with you. Right? So anyway, there's, there's a lot to the life of faith. But we're looking at the fundamental aspects of faith. And so here in Mark 11, verse 22, I'd like to read down through the 26th verse. It says, And Jesus answering said unto them, his disciples, Have faith in God. And we know the margin says, Have the faith of God, which really means have the God kind of faith. And I don't believe that Jesus is unjust or unfair to you. Uh, so I, this was, I agree with Brother Hagin the way he said it. I, 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 if God said to have the God kind of faith, then I believe I can have it. Amen. He's not going to dangle that kind of carrot out in front of us and then pull it back. Say, oh, I'm just kidding. No, if he said have my kind of faith, have the God kind of faith, then bless God we can and we should. Then in verse 23 and 24, he describes two flows of the God kind of faith. Two ways to get to the end result, one by saying and the other by praying. You know, you can get a lot of things just by saying. And that saying isn't technically praying. In fact, that's really a, uh, an answer for, for a lot of us at times. A lot of us are praying when we ought to be saying. A lot of us are praying when we ought to be saying. Oh God, oh God, you know, and all this, when we ought to be speaking. Well, let's see that. In verse 23, it says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, see that? It didn't say pray. It said say. And who do we direct our words? What do we direct our words to? He had directed them to a tree. Now he's saying you could even direct words to a mountain in your life. And say, mountain, be thou removed. And be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Are we seeing a condition? We've already been invited to have the God kind of faith. He's begun to tell us how the God kind of faith works in one flow, that we can speak to the mountains in our lives, and we could say, get out of here, be removed. But it, there is a condition. The condition is that we cannot doubt in our heart. Amen? So you can't go ahead and doubt in your heart and expect God to upend the system for you. It won't work. Amen? But instead it says, shall believe. So we have again the contrast. To believe what we say or to doubt what we say. This is the condition, and this is the work of the believer. We who would have the kind of faith that moves negative situations out of our life and pulls positive situations and blessings into our life. Remember, this, uh, remember the centurion? Jesus came to, or he came through servants to Jesus and said, Oh, I'm not worthy for you to speak the word. You know, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof to heal my servant. Just speak the word only. And then he explained his thinking. He said, for as a soldier, I am a man under authority. And I say to one, go, and they go. I say to one, come, and they come. Or to another, do this, and they doeth it. They do it. So he knew. And he said, he recognized Jesus. You're in authority over sickness. And all I need you to do is say, boogie, go, and my servant will be healed. Amen? Jesus marveled at the man's faith at his understanding of faith, and says, Servant, be it, you know, go back and tell him, be it unto him as he was believing, and his servant was healed from that very hour. Amen. But I'm just telling you again, it's an illustration. 
through our faith-filled words, we can get things out of our life that we need out of our life. We can get things done, amen, and we can get good things into our life through this operation of faith by what? Saying. It is your job to say the right things. Amen? Hallelujah. So he went on and said, Be thou cast into the sea. You're not doubting in your heart. You believe that the things that you say. See, a lot of people, you, you just talk to them, and again, it's, it's just, you locate people by listening to what they say. You know? And they say stuff like, well, uh, you know, I'm just believing for God's best. You know, I just know that I just know that God knows what's best for me. So I just pray that, you know, that God just, He knows what's best and, and I'm just ready to receive. So if I get the house, I'll get it. If I don't get it, I, then it must not have been God's best. Doesn't that sound sweet? Doesn't that sound humble? Doesn't that sound sincere? It even sounds a little bit spiritual, but it's wrong. It's totally unscriptural. Amen? I mean, if He said, have the God kind of faith and say it, then He expects you to have the God kind of faith and say it. Now, are you, are you, have you tapped into this flow yet? What, what flow, Pastor? Are you speaking to trees? Now, maybe not. Maybe a tree's not in your way. Are you speaking to mountains? Right? We saw Jesus, you know these stories, that He spoke to wind and waves. And they said, who is this man? that even the wind and the waves obey Him. When did the waves obey Jesus? When He spoke to them. Now, did He look up at His Father from that boat and the waves and the storm and say, Oh, Father, come on. I left heaven. I'm down here putting up with all these disciples and all these unbelievers doing Your will. I'm trying to take a nap. Please help me out. That's what a lot of humans do. But that's not griping, whining, moaning. Why is this happening to me, Father? I'm trying to do your will down here. You Don't you think if I was doing your will, just be going better? No, the more you do his will, the more the devil's going to be after your boots are hiding. The more opposition you're going to face. No, Jesus didn't do any of that. What did he do? He stood up in the stern of that and he spoke to what he was dealing with. He spoke directly to what was opposing him. And do you know what was opposing him had ears enough to hear him? Can wind hear? Can waves hear? Storm clouds, thunder. My dad called me. Uh, you know, some of the uh, little bit of thunderstorm we had, it was a strong, much stronger system in Oklahoma. A lot of, I get dad's weather in Oklahoma about three days after he gets it. He said, well, son, I'm just sending some. He called me, I'm sending some your way. And, uh, well, I said, I don't want any of the bad stuff. And, uh, but anyway, he called me back even after that, a couple hours later. I said, Dad, what's up? He said, I'm having fun. I said, you are? He said, yeah, we've had storm system after storm system. And the, I'm watching my local weather guy, and he said, oh, this one's about to hit Midwest City where he lives, tornadic system. He says, oh, no, you don't. You're going to have to turn right. And he'd watch, and he'd, he'd hear, he said, no, I don't, my dad's not a liar. And he just not. And he said, uh, then that guy would say a few minutes later, well, it's turning right. It's turning right. It's going this way. And he described seven different systems. And, oh, it's going to hit Wewoka. Oh, it's going to hit Seminole. He said, no, you're not going to hit Seminole. You're going to have to go to some other place. And that storm system, break up and go some other place. Amen. And my dad is just, he's got a revelation about this flow of faith. And what I said to my dad, I said, now, Dad, this flow of faith you're having such fun with works in every area. If, if the weather system can respond to a man's words like that, that he believes, he believes those storms will respond to what he says. And there's evidence that it, they are. How much more than a sickness or a symptom in his own body, his, his own temple. See, we can get revelation of speaking in one area, and, not, and make the mistake of not applying it as confidently and faithfully to some other area of our life. But our words are affecting us in every realm, in every sphere, in every arena. So it is just so vitally important that we learn the kingdom system, God's law of saying. 
There is a law of saying. It's been, it's been demonstrated, even Genesis, we're not going to go there, I don't believe, but it's one of the most wonderful illustrations of God, how He works and how He Himself dumps it. See, He is a faith God. This is how He works Himself. He brought light into existence by saying it. He brought the animal kingdom into existence by saying, saying it. He spoke not what he saw, he spoke what he wanted. He spoke what he desired. And so many of his children, sometimes me, I repent, are speaking what we see, are seeing, not what we want. God looked at darkness and he said, let there be light. And there was light. He, looked at the, he was looking at the absence of living things on the earth, but he spoke what he wanted and they came into being. Well, I don't understand how that works. You don't have to. I said, you don't have to. Now, a lot of the, a lot of the men in this room understand a lot more about it. I don't understand how a car works. I, I just, I mean, rudimentary. Amen? I can look under the hood and I can identify four or five things. But that doesn't, my lack of understanding doesn't keep me from getting in the car and going everywhere I need to go. I just want to know enough to make the thing work. Right? Hallelujah. Praise God. So uh, we see here that we can speak, but as we speak, and you just can be rattling stuff off, but as we speak, there must be something happening internally for it to work. Down in here, not up here, down in your spirit, in your heart, Amen. You must believe that what you said shall come to pass. Not that it is right now, but it will come to pass. Then Jesus said, if you do that, not doubting in your heart, but believing that what you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. And that part, that last part, that is Jesus' part. That is God's part. So what is my part so far? Is to have the God kind of faith, and to understand that this God kind of faith speaks to things, to storms, to mountains, to things in our way. We can say go, we can say come, we can say let this be done. And if we meet the condition of believing that, hallelujah, and not doubting it, we learned last week what that meant. We don't turn from it, we don't question it, we don't hesitate over it. We don't, we don't get into questionings over what we, what we said and the direction we set out. Hello. But we are single-minded, singularly focused. What I said is coming to pass, and I will not change. Amen. And I know it down in here. Now, up in here, you, you, you're going to have all kinds of troubles. And those troubles up here are no indication that you're doubting in your heart. It was a life-changing moment the first time for me in my faith life. When I heard Brother Hagin say, faith will work in your heart with doubt in your head. Your faith will work believing in your heart while you have doubt in your head. Amen? Amen. Doubts, thoughts of doubt, thoughts and feelings and emotions and imaginations are going to come to our minds. Amen? The devil will make sure of it. And you could just be bombarded in your minds with, it's not working, it's not working. Look at your situation, it's worse. You've been saying this for three weeks, and it's worse. It's worse now than it was before. And why, and then you, why isn't it, and all of this going on in your mind, yet right down in your heart, when you, when you look internally to your spirit, you still believe. And so I wanted to deal with this, uh, this part about, we, we dealt with doubt and identifying doubt and understanding and recognizing that doubt is uh, one of the top thieves and robbers, saboteurs to the operation of the believer's faith. Because it's implied here pretty explicitly, right, that if we doubt, we'll go without. We can either believe and have what we say, or we can speak what we want but doubt it in our heart, amen, and go without. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And so, uh, praise God. How does, how do you tell whether or not you've doubted or not? Uh, This is the essence of what I wanted to get to tonight. How do I know if I am in doubt? Because again, we're all going to be in the midst of faith stands, standing for what we want, right? Standing on the promises of God and have all of this trouble going on in our mind. How's he going to do it? Why hasn't it shown up? All the, the feelings of the pressure and the thoughts that come with that, they come to us all. Well, hopefully what I'll say here, the Lord will help me to say a few things that will help us all tonight. Number one, let me just say this, doubt manifests the exact same way faith manifests. Well, how does faith manifest? No, faith comes by hearing. It's good, son, but faith comes by hearing. But how do we work faith? How do we put our faith into action? How do we pull the faith trigger to get the faith bullet out of the gun? Two ways, primarily. Words and actions. Words and actions. How is faith manifesting in Mark eleven twenty three? By speaking. By speaking. Now, if we go back in our mind's eye and we think about Now, what what brought up this object lesson on the subject of faith? Well, Jesus went up to that fig tree, remember, expecting it to have fruit, but it didn't have any. And so it says that Jesus cursed the fig tree. It literally means he he didn't say bad words to it. He spoke negativity to it. He declared, he told that tree to die. So that was Jesus putting his faith into practice. That's the first way. He had faith, but he put it to work on that tree by speaking to it. But then he also did something else. He demonstrated his faith by turning his back on that tree and going on about his business, untroubled, fully expecting, right? What he said, and when he came back by the next day, he wasn't interested in checking to see how the tree was doing. Peter did that. But as far as Jesus was concerned, see, his words and his actions were in harmony with what he believed. That's the the essence of operating by faith right there. Your words and your actions, amen, must demonstrate what you say you believe in your heart. And if all of that lines up, you get divine results. You get supernatural results. Amen. Now, doubt works the exact same way. Now, before I I say any more about that, remember, you can have a heart, a spirit full of faith capacity. I mean, it's like some of you guys, you don't want to tell anybody about what, but I know a little bit. Well, you got gun safe after gun safe full of ammunition. But that doesn't equal a dead deer, does it? That doesn't equal a dead robber, does it? You have all this capacity. But until you load it, aim it, and pull the trigger, it's, not, it's as if you have it, but it's as good as you didn't have it. You know, you could die on your hospital bed with a heart full of faith to be healed. In your heart, you are, you, but you don't know how to get that faith out of your ammo box and load it in your faith gun and actually do anything with it. Just because you believe, he didn't say you'd have what you believe. Did you see that? We don't have in life what we believe. We don't have in life what God wills. We don't even have in life what we believe in line with what God wills. We only have what we say from a believing heart. Y'all with me? Now, so again, doubt works this same way. So, How do I know that I've not yielded to doubt? How do I know that my prayer, my stand of faith has not been undone because, Pastor, my mind is covered up? Well, have you spoken your mind? If you have, right, then you doubted. What do I do? Repent, ask God to forgive you for doubting, and get back into faith. Just get right back into faith. Amen? Amen. Peter got out of the boat to walk on the water. He walked on the water, but then he doubted. He began to sink because he doubted. 
But then Jesus caught him by the hand, lifted him up, and he didn't carry him like this to the boat. They walked together back into the boat. So he walked on the water, and then he doubted and sank, and then he walked back on the water again. So your project's not undone, but you're going to have to get back in faith. But this is the measuring stick, the barometer. I don't care what's going on, how bad it looks, how bad you feel, how much pressure you're under, how many swirling doubts of question and hesitations all going on between your ears. If you have not spoken or acted in line with those thoughts of doubt, you're still in faith. Did you get that? Again, we walk by faith, not by what we see. We walk by faith and not by what we feel. And, and what's happening, we don't judge what's happening by the thoughts that come or the thoughts we think. Now, you'll have a much happier time and peaceful time and blessed time if you will train your mind to think in agreement with what you believe. But your mind can be the antichrist of what you want to happen and it's still loose, and you win. What you have to do is bite your lip. Right? And do not take actions that are in line with doubt. Right? Praise God. That's freeing to me. Because I tell you what, for a lot of years, moving from Jackson Street to here and all that we went through, you don't think I had trouble with my mind? Watching my congregation be chipped away? Watching our finances go down when we needed more money than ever? Watching bank application after bank application get a big red stamp rejected on it? Watching the project double in price in less than 12 months? We had no loan for the original price, much less the recession that hit in 2008 and the doubling of the prices. I, I live, my wife and I, now she did much better because she's just better. She just doesn't let herself get troubled in her mind like, like I have tended to over certain things. And, uh, but the building still came. The building's still here. And I wish I could tell you that from Jackson Street to 3250 Steel, I never spoke any words or I never acted in any doubtful way. Of course I did. But I had to just repent and pick my faith back up and get back in it. And you just keep playing the faith game until you win. It's not like a fourth quarter deal. It's not like a time clock deal. Amen? Right? But you're going to have to pass a test. I had to pass the test. And what was that? So it was so much of the time speaking what I believed in my heart while all the while I wanted to cry. It didn't look like my faith was working. I didn't feel like my faith was working. But I had to just keep speaking what God said. God, you told me to build this building. You told me to I said, Father, I had a building. I had a building paid off. Amen. And that's kind of a funny, you know, all of this is based out of relationship. Sometimes in the throes of that, I wished, looking back, I had not asked God what I asked him. So he had given us the land. We had bought the land. We had it under contract, had a loan for it. I asked him, Father, how do we pay this off? Because I don't want to spend the next 10 years to pay it off. You told me to build a building. And he said, sell your building. Oh, I wished I hadn't asked him. Because we had a building. And then for seven years, though, we didn't have a building. And getting a building looked impossible. Looked impossible. Amen. But we just had to stay with it, stay with it. And what, what does that mean? Speak and act. Do everything you can to lean into what you believe. Amen? And keep declaring what God said. And if we were still at Bobby's or in, in some other, Pastor Bobby's or some other rented building, you know, 
to, to present day, I hope I'd still be standing in there with me, with some of y'all original here, still hanging on going, Father, I don't care if I die. Amen. This building must come to pass. And I knew at times, Brother Brett, I just knew at times, I have to get this building built because there is nothing else. There's nothing else. I mean, there's no assignment. There's no ministry. There's no future. This is the thing God said get done. And if it takes my whole natural, I have got to get this building built so that I could get onto something different. Amen. But I mean, have you ever felt that way? A pain comes in your body. Uh, uh, a circumstance comes along. Uh, pressures of finances come along. And you're, you're like a ball of fire for a few days on faith. I said for a few days. Abraham stood. He had to work his faith for 25 years. Noah, yeah, Noah had a an assignment to build an ark, he spent the next 100 years of his life. Build, yeah, building a boat for an event that never had happened before. Not a raindrop had ever fallen on planet Earth. But he stayed with it. See, if you're going to win in the faith life, you've got to become a stay with it person. I'm going to stay with it. Stay with what? Stay with what God said. If he said, bless God, I can prosper, I'm, I'm going to prosper. I am going to prosper. If he said I could be a success, then I'm going to be a... If he said I'm the head, then I refuse to be the stinky tail. I will not. I am not going to stay the caboose when I could be the, in, the train up front with the best view. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I'm going to be the lender. One day, I'm going to be lending money to people in Jesus' name. He said that I could be the lender and not the borrower. More and more and more. I, I am making some headway on my book, praise God. It got, finally got toward it this week. But I'm catching a, vis, a vision, my wife and I being debt-free. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that looks a long way off in the natural, but I just believe in short order. I'm going to be able to tell you I'm debt free. Amen. Amen. Why? I believe it. I'm believing it. I'm getting established in it. I'm feeding my faith. And I'm speaking it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Look over with me to Mark chapter 5 just a minute. Y'all all right? Getting anything? I know I'm just kind of rattling on, but uh, I pray you, you're getting something as I rattle here. Glory to God. Your, your words, your faith-filled words are the rudder of the ship of your life. Your words are setting your course. Amen. People talk themselves into sickness and disease. They talk themselves into bodies. I, I just read today, Moses, uh, when he died, he was 120 years old. And he was not sick and decrepit. In fact, God had to say, today, I read it today. He said, you get up into that mountain and die today. No more living. And it says that his strength was not abated, neither were his eyes dimmed at 120 years old under the old covenant. No health care, no stacked supplements, no organic grocery store. But people, they, 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 they get into this thing. They believe that as they get older, they have to go down. And because they believe that, they speak it. And they are authorizing the spirit realm. To, and, and again, their cells respond. Your cells and your immune systems and your bone and your blood marrow, they all respond to what you hear. To what you say. They all respond to what you're saying. Why can't we just turn this around and turn it to the positive? That's what God intended. Amen? So again, we must understand that I am not doubting because I have a feeling. I am not doubting because I'm under pressure. 
you're going to be under pressure. Sometimes intense pressure. But sweetheart, that doesn't mean that your faith is failing. Gabrielle, it does not mean that your faith is failing. It doesn't mean that your faith isn't working. It just means I'm under pressure. It just means, and you know what? Sometimes under pressure, you need an emotional release. I cried during those times, under pressure, right? And I don't even believe that that was an expression of my, of doubt. It was just emotion. But I did my best to watch my tongue. And when something slipped out of my mouth that wasn't in line with what God said, I'd had to, I'd had to repent. No, 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 Chris, no, uh, uh. What did God say? What did God say? What did God say? Amen. And uh, but I think the enemy deceives a lot of precious Christians who are doing good in faith, but because they're feeling the pressure and their body is registering the pressure, their emotions express a little bit of the pressure. The devil tells them, "You failed." You're not in faith. No, bless God, check your spirit. Do you believe the promise of God? Do you believe in your spirit that He's meeting those needs? That He's bringing you out? That His power's at work in your body? Have you spoken contrary to the word? No, I haven't. Well then, honey, you're still in faith. Don't let the devil deceive you. Don't you let the devil deceive you. Don't let, you, let him rob you of your confidence. Faith is a force that flows out of your spirit, not your mind. Your mind has nothing to do with the conduction of faith. The best you can get your mind to do is to agree and stay out of the way. And sometimes the best way to do that is to don't even let your mind go there. Don't think about those bills. Don't think about what the doctor said. Well, that sounds like denial. No, denial's a river in Egypt. I'm not talking about that. Amen? You know what the circumstance is. Amen? But thinking, having, just dwelling on that in your mind, you know is a danger to your faith. Because the more I let my mind roll that over my mind, the more vulnerable I am to hooking my tongue up with that. And acting in line with that. See, when you act in line and speak in line with fear and anxiety and defeat and worry, and doubt, then you're defeated. You're defeated unless you change that. But you could just be covered up with pressure and emotion. And, you, you know, Brother Hagin talked about the time the devil said, see, you doubted, you have doubted. Look at your body shaken under that fear. And Brother Hagin, he was just so spiritually in tune. He said, that's my body. I am not a body. I'm a spirit. My body may be shaken, but I'm not shaken on the inside. So your body will register the pressure and the fear. That doesn't have anything to do with measuring whether you're in faith or doubt. How's that old song go? Standing on the promises. Standing on the promise. Standing on the promises of God. Amen. Like some of the old preachers have done, I've done it myself. Put my Bible down on the ground and stand on top of it. Not in reverence, but in demonstration of myself and the devil. This is my position. I will not be moved off of this. If I die and do my funeral, they will do it. No, when I stood right here on 1 Peter 2.24, declaring by his stripes I was healed. Amen. Did you make it to Mark 5? <laughs> Let's just look at this uh, story about Jairus real quick. We'll have to wind it down. I love stirring myself along the lines of faith. Amen? amen. Glory to God. All of the promises of God are yes and amen. They've all been paid for and made available to all of His children. And uh, faith is the hand that reaches into God's realm and pulls it into our reality. Hallelujah. So in verse um, 22 of Mark 5, it says, And behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he, Jesus, saw him, 
he fell at his feet. Or excuse me, when he, it's Jairus, saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he besought Jesus greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Now, think about his circumstance. Okay? I mean, this is his princess. This is his little girl. And she's not sick. She is at the point of dying. That's a bad circumstance. I, I, I will never be there in Jesus' name. But uh, can you imagine the emotion he would have felt? The thoughts as a daddy he would have had. The images of his wife near her bedside. The emotions and the thoughts and the feelings he had to leave her bedside to go find Jesus. Uh, who knows what he must have felt in that moment. But notice what, when he fell, he said, Jesus, my little daughter, lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. And what did he say? She shall live. She shall live. She shall live. Now, I wrote in my Bible this afternoon, that this was Jairus, these words, that was Jairus's faith being put to work. That was his faith bullet coming out of the gun. That was his faith talking. He expressed from his heart what he believed about what would happen with his daughter if he would come. That's his faith talking. Now he gets interrupted, and that's it. That, that's the last thing that came out of his mouth. Do you think the emotions changed after he said that? Maybe he was lifted for a moment when he, when he gets Jesus' favorable response. I would have, ha, uh, he's coming. Then he gets delayed with the woman with the issue of blood. Can you imagine what he's going, oh, man. Man, my girl, she's, she's at the brink here. You've been dealing with this for 12 years. One more day's not going to hurt you. Come on. Seriously, right? She's, my daughter's at the point of death. Jesus is acting like it's no big deal. You want to know why? To him it's not. This is why Jesus is not in a hurry. So he, he takes, Jesus takes time to get this lady's testimony. Okay, she's healed. We don't need the testimony. And sure enough, right? Now remember, his faith's already been released. You'd have thought, sometimes we think, from here it gets better. Not always. I said, not always. Skip all the way down to verse number uh, 35. The scene shifts back to him. When he yet spoke, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, that's Jairus, which said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble you the master any further? Now, think about this. If there's ever a time in the faith walk where it's a good time to take your faith off of something and admit defeat, this is it. It doesn't get more done than dead. Is that not right? I mean, right here, Jairus had an amazing opportunity to stop believing. To give up his faith. It, wouldn't you? What would you have done? Would you, would you have had the faith to go, we're going for resurrection now? Maybe, but I don't know. I might have said, That's it. Go home and comfort my wife. But Jesus was there. Look at verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto, the, to, unto Jairus. Now I love the Amplified. The Amplified says, hearing, overhearing, but ignoring what they said. Don't you love that? overhearing but ignoring what they said. Come on. 
he turned to Jairus and said, don't be afraid. You could just as easily say, don't doubt me now. I think it's the message translation says, listen, something like, don't, don't be afraid, just trust me. Just trust me. That's what faith is. But the Amplified says, overhearing and ignoring what they said, turned to Jairus and said, do not fear, only believe, or keep on believing. See, he'd done everything right, and he's just saying, don't quit now. Even though it went from bad to really bad, don't, stop, don't yield to fear now. Evidently, all he needed, all Jesus needed to get his girl back to him was him not to undo what he said a few minutes ago. You said, in faith, Jairus, if I would come and lay my hands on your daughter, she will live. Those words I can still make happen for you. Just don't change those words. Don't say anything right now that would prevent me from fulfilling those words. Jesus, I wrote this down today, Jesus said to Jairus, in essence, this change of circumstance is no excuse for you to change what you're believing. And when your circumstances go from difficult to more difficult, more difficult, that is no excuse for you to lay down what you're believing. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So even if it, the dream dies, the business dies, the body dies, it's not over until the resurrection and the life says it is. Hallelujah. That's, that's pretty good preaching right there. You're 8.30 at night. I don't know if I just lost you. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Your ministry's not dead yet. Your dream's not dead yet. Your vision's not. And even if it is, right, until he says it's over, it's not over. He said, just keep your mouth shut, John. You've already given to me everything I need to make this happen. You said, if I but come, Lay my hand on your daughter. Yep. Now, I haven't heard anything different out of you. I can still do this. Yeah. But see, if he'd have gone, it's over. Yeah. Then that would have been, the last word's the last word. Yeah. Yeah. He, couldn't have, he couldn't have been moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. You with me in that? Yes. So I'm just guessing that he just bit his tongue all the way there. Jesus goes, he gets all the criers and the whiners and the mourners out of there. He takes Peter and John, and he takes mom and dad upstairs to where the girl's dead body lies. And he just simply touches her on the hand and says, Talitha, Talitha, Kumai, that is to say, little girl, I say to you, arise. Man, when it's God, it's like not even any sweat. He didn't even do an R.W. Shambach on him. I mean, he didn't, yeah, he didn't have to do any of that. He just said, little girl, I say unto you, arise. And she, she came, her spirit came back. He lifted her up, presented her to her parents, and said, give her something to eat. Wow, come on. Now, is what you're facing tonight as bad as what Jairus walked through right there. I doubt it. I'm your pastor. I, I, no one's told me that they're in that kind of condition tonight. So, if even that was no excuse in the mind of Jesus for Jairus to stop believing, your condition tonight, your circumstance tonight, is no excuse to lay down the word. No excuse to yield to doubt. No excuse to start speaking defeat. No excuse to lay down the promise of God. Amen. And consider some other alternative. Victory and nothing else. That is victory and nothing else. Is what God has offered for us. Victory. Everyone say victory. 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 Victory in India. Victory in the village. Victory over black magic. Victory over idols. 
Come on. Victory over abject poverty. Come on. Victory. Victory. Victory in your finances. Victory with your dreams. We're not settling for silver or bronze. Mm -mm. No. No. We're going to get it all. All the promised land. All of it. The healing and the sound mind and the divine protection and the ministry that we're called to and a sweet family and marriage. All of it. The money, the clothes, the cars, the lands, all of it. Hallelujah. Amen? Stand up tonight. Praise God. It's all predicated on if you will believe and not doubt. If you'll believe and not doubt. I'll close with this short illustration. Uh, I read today from Norval Hayes. He was in a meeting and this, this mother had been in these services for, I don't know, three or four meetings. And finally, she just interrupted the meeting and blurted out, Brother Norval, you keep telling us that God loves us so much, He'll do anything for us. Just ask Him. And uh, he said, yeah, that's right, sister. That's right, sister. He will. He loves you that much. If you just ask Him, He'll do it for you. Would He do even this? My daughter ran away weeks ago. No, doesn't God know where He is? She, he said, yeah. God knows where she's at. Can, if I ask, does he, does he love me enough that He'd cause her to call me? He said, if you'll believe. If you'll believe and not doubt. And he said, but I understand, I can only bet, Mama, what you've been going through, what the devil's been doing to you. You're praying, you said you're praying, 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 praying. But then the devil tells you she's dead already. She's been kidnapped. She's been this, she's been that, she's gone. I bet the devil's just been beating you up. Yeah, that's right. He said, well, if you'll stop that, if you'll just believe and not doubt, and just say every day, Father, I thank you. You're going to cause my daughter to call me. You're going to cause my daughter to contact me. Well, she went for several weeks. And that's, she said she was sorely tempted to speak in line with what the devil would assault her mind with. But she just resisted. She resisted. Brother Norval was back in that city in that same church a couple of uh, months later. And the woman interrupted the meeting again. She said, do you remember me? He said, yeah, I remember you. And she said, well, I did exactly what you said. I was bombarded in my mind. I had all kinds of emotions. The devil told me she was dead already. But I said, no, my daughter's not dead, and God's dealing with her. And uh, God, thank you. Thank you. I worship you. I thank you that you're causing my daughter to call me. She did. She called me on the phone about three weeks after you left. And she was under such conviction when she called. We went and picked her up, and she's here. She came to church with us, got born again, and is spirit-filled. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, believer. God needs your faith. He doesn't need a lot, but He does need your faith. Amen. Father, thank you.